Hello, and welcome to episode three of this four-part series called Don't Tell Me What to Eat. (laughs) This is how to put unconditional permission to eat into practice, how to break your food rules, and put you in the driver's seat when it comes to your eating habits, instead of feeling like you are controlled by food, like you have certain impulses you don't know what to do with. And hopefully you have already listened to parts one and parts two, which I recorded before I came up with what I think is a really cool name for this podcast series. And so hopefully by now you are well on your way to understanding and observing how you can practice unconditional permission to eat in your day to day. You are probably a little bit more aware of where you are putting up some food rules and how they affect you. You might be noticing where sometimes where you want to rebel against those food rules. And so hopefully you've already begun begun to practice choice in your eating habits. And so today we are going to talk a little bit about why you can control yourself around some foods and not around others. And so we're going to talk a little bit about food habituation today. We're going to talk a little bit about cravings and we're going to talk a little bit about your physiology. All right. So I want to hop in today and just start talking like, what is a craving? And so a craving, if we look at the dictionary definition, it is just a powerful desire for something. And in the context of our nutrition, we often label cravings as a really bad thing. Like it's a sign of weakness. It's something to be avoided. Like, oh my gosh, my cravings are so bad. What's wrong with me? But sometimes a craving is just a craving and it passes just like you might see, you know, a pair of pants that you like in the window of a shop. And for five minutes, you're like, oh my gosh, I really want those pants. And then 10 minutes later, you've completely forgotten about the pants. Sometimes a craving is just a craving and it passes. And so there are kind of two ways that you can treat a craving. So you can either ride it out. And so often what we call this in the context of, um, working with, you know, psychology and relationship with food is there's a technique called surfing the urge, or you can also satisfy that craving. And so you can satisfy that craving within the context of nutrition by just eating the food and moving on with your life. Um, or if you identify that what you're craving is actually not food at all, it's something else, you satisfy that craving in a different way. And so the physiological side, we've got the physiological side of cravings and the psychological side of cravings. And I talk about this a little bit in the episode I did on carbs. So that can be a really interesting episode for you to listen to as well. But the physiological side of cravings is I do want to let you know that yes, our bodies do lead us towards what nutrients we're missing, especially when you pay attention to it. So an easy example of this is when you are thirsty, your body is asking for water. We're pretty clear on that for the most part. When you are hungry, your body is looking for energy. So that is food in really any context. And the hard part here is that when it comes to cravings, so as we know, there is both a physiological side and a psychological side. And so we often get these sort of jumbled together. So for example, let's say you're someone who is dieting or you're quite restrictive with your eating. You've, you've realized like, oh my gosh, I have lots of food rules. So your cravings might be a combination of physiology, your body saying, for example, hey, I need more energy, maybe in the context of carbohydrates. And it might be psychology, your brain saying, oh my gosh, I want more carbohydrates because I'm not allowed to have them. And so this is why cravings can be quite complex. And so I'll give you a concrete example here. 
I worked with a client a couple, uh, a couple years ago who she came to me and she was like, look, I don't get it. I, you know, I am super healthy in the beginning of the day. Healthy for her meant she skipped breakfast and ate a low carb lunch. And then she was like, and then what happens in the afternoon is I have these uncontrollable cravings for bread and biscuits. And so what was actually happening is her craving was a combination of physiology in the sense that her body was not getting enough nutrients in the beginning part of the day. And so in the second part of the day, her body was like, Hey, give me carbs. Cause that is an amazing source of energy. And psychologically, she was telling herself that bread and biscuits were off limits. And so it was a combination. It was a craving that came both from physiology and from psychology. And so when it comes to a craving, it, the more you deny it, the stronger it can get. Notice that I'm not saying the stronger it gets, the stronger it can get. And I'll give you an example. Let's say uh, Monday and you want a pizza, but pizza in your head, you've got the rule like, no, pizza is a weekend food. I cannot have pizza on Monday. And so all week you sort of deal with this pizza craving. Maybe you try to substitute it for something else, for something healthier. And then finally you get to the weekend where you're like, okay, I can eat pizza because it's the weekend and you eat the pizza. But instead of just, you know, wanting like on Monday, you're like, I want a slice of pizza. Maybe on Monday you would have had a slice of pizza and moved on with your life. But since you've denied that craving all week, you're so consumed with the wanting of the pizza. So the psychology of like, oh my gosh, I really want this pizza. I'm building it up in my head all week long. And also the psychology of knowing that I've restricted myself so that I can't have pizza again for X amount of time. And so that is where denying that craving actually leads to eating way more of that food than feels good that your body probably needs and that you feel comfortable eating, which is why we then often revert back to like, well, I must restrict pizza because clearly I have no control around it. And so if we go back to day one, when we talked about unconditional permission to eat, a way to approach something like this from an unconditional permission to eat uh, perspective would be to simply notice the craving, acknowledge it, and then check in with yourself. So what will make you feel how you want to feel? What will satisfy you? What sounds good? And then you can address that craving like this. You can either order a pizza, make a pizza, essentially eat whatever you're craving, eat it in a mindful way. Maybe you have a couple slices of pizza and you pair that with a side salad and you feel pretty great. And maybe you save the rest of the pizza for the next day. So you might, you know, pair that pizza with something to make it into a balanced meal and you move on with your life. Or you can be, so A is the order the pizza, eat what you're craving, and then move on with your life. Or B is to accept the fact that you have a craving, choose to sit with the discomfort of being like, I'm craving this thing, and then choose whether or not you want to eat it. Let's say fat loss is one of your goals and you're, you're like, eating a pizza is not gonna support me and my goals. Okay, cool. You can make the choice to not eat the pizza, which is very different than telling yourself, I can't have pizza because of X, Y, Z. For the sake of not going too long in this episode, there is a bit here to do with mouth hunger and, um, and emotional hunger that I think is important. And I have an episode on hunger that I believe is episode eight. And so please go listen to that. And that can give you a little bit more insight the difference between like mouth hunger and emotional hunger. Cause sometimes a craving is simply like, we just want the taste of something and we have the taste and we move on. And then sometimes it's a deeper rooted need and that can be a little bit more complicated. And also this is something I work on with clients a lot in coaching. So 
that's always an option. You know it is. All right. Controversial opinion. So controversial opinion here is the reason that it's hard to resist certain foods has less to do with how addicting, quote unquote, addicting a food is and more to do with how you are thinking about that food. So as we acknowledged earlier, yes, our bodies physiologically do crave certain foods, generally when that nutrient is restricted or when you are low on that nutrient. So for example, let's go, let's say you have a hard workout and you sweat a ton, you might crave salty foods because that is what is going to help you replenish what you've lost by sweating a ton. You might notice that your cravings for carbohydrates or cravings for sweets are much higher if you are eating a calorie restricted diet or if you're heavily restricting carbohydrates. And that's because your body is actually asking for those foods. And you've probably also heard the term highly palatable food. Maybe you haven't, but I'm going to explain to you what it is. So it doesn't matter. And a highly palatable food refers mainly to a food that is high in sugar and fat or salt and fat, which is a magical combination that makes food super tasty. But the hard to resist part in my opinion, in my experience, often comes more from you telling yourself that you shouldn't rather than the fact that they're really tasty. So go back to your food rules. What makes a really big difference here is that you can choose to say, you know what? I can eat chips whenever I want. I can choose to eat chips whenever I want. And maybe you're like, cool, I'm going to have a handful of chips right now because I know that if I want some later or tomorrow, I can eat them. So you satisfy that like salty, crunchy craving. But if you're telling yourself, I shouldn't do this, you're thinking about this, like I am breaking a rule here, then it is a lot harder to just have a couple chips and tell yourself I'll have more tomorrow because you're telling yourself you can't have more tomorrow. I think you understood what I said. I may have like gotten confusing here. I think you understand what I mean. And so what makes a really big difference here is how you approach your experiences with certain foods. So for example, big difference between eating an entire, you know, roll of Oreos, one of those like roll packs of Oreos while you're like rushing around your kitchen, trying to do stuff and taking a couple of Oreos, sitting down, enjoying the Oreos. Maybe you're like me and you like to like open them up and like eat, eat the cream and then eat the cookie and then doing whatever you need to do in your kitchen. Very different eating experiences. Or one that comes up a lot is like, maybe you pop a whole bag of popcorn and you realize that you sit down to watch TV and all of a sudden you finish the entire bag of popcorn. And if you were paying attention and not mindlessly eating in front of Netflix, you might have noticed that your craving for salt was satisfied like halfway through the bag. But because you're not fully present, you might end up finishing the entire bag. And then you finish it and you're like, oh my gosh, I should have stopped sooner. I can't believe I did that. And that will often lead to statements like, I'm never going to do that again, or I'll make up for it tomorrow. Or, you know, maybe you're like, ah, I'm never buying popcorn again, which then perpetuates the cycle of craving, which again, more to do with how you think about and approach food than the physiology. And so I want to list out what actually does make it really hard to resist a food. One, telling yourself you can't have it. If I tell you, again, if I tell you, don't think about a pink elephant, you are immediately thinking about a pink elephant. What else makes it hard to resist a food? Eating quickly while you're distracted, mindlessly. And if you think about it, like the foods that you tend to crave 
tend to be foods that are quite easy to eat. Foods that you can, for example, have your phone in one hand and be eating with the other hand. They're not foods that you need to sit down with a knife and fork and cut, or they're not foods that are like complicated to eat. Another thing that makes it really hard to resist a food is practicing dietary restraint. And to be really clear, dietary restraint is not the same as calorie restriction. You can be restricting calories and approaching it from an unconditional permission to eat standpoint and not feel restricted because you're making choices, or you can create food rules about, I can't eat this. I can't eat more than this amount. I can't eat at this time. And that is what is causing you to want to rebel against those rules. And then my last point here is like, what makes it hard to resist a food being hungry? Like it is really hard to have a plate of donuts in front of you and say no to it. Even if you're like, this doesn't align with my goals or what I want right now, but you're starving. Yeah. You're going to want to eat that donut. Like you could put a starving vegan in front of a non-vegan donut and they're going to have trouble restricting it most likely. And there, this brings me to, and this is a really, really important thing to understand is there is a reason why you don't feel out of control around foods you eat every day, even if you really like how they taste. And that reason is called habituation. You enjoy certain foods enough to eat them all the time, but you can have them in the kitchen and you don't like hear them calling to you when you're trying to do work. You have been habituated to having those foods around all the time. Those foods are not on a pedestal, They're not incredibly special. They are normal everyday foods. So, sorry, I had to pause there and take a drink of of water. So you are habituated to these foods because these foods have become normalized for you. They are foods that you aren't fearful of them not being around anymore. You are confident. You're like, I'm going to eat this whenever I want it. So not a big deal. And so thus, they are not seen as like a restricted resource. Again, we talked about the law of supply and demand in, I don't know if it was episode one or episode two of this series, but essentially you can probably think of a food that you really like that you eat every day and that you eat whatever it is, you know, whatever portion of it is that you like. And then you don't, you probably don't even really think about it much until the next day. And I want to share a story. This is, this was a client I worked with years, years and years ago right when I first started coaching, this was the first time we ever worked on food habituation. And this is a client that was like, look, I feel like what happens all the time is I tell myself I'm not supposed to eat potato chips, potato chips in Spanish culture, by the way, are like always around there. You know, you order a beer and you get potato chips or they're just like a thing. There's like potato chips all everywhere. I don't know why. Anyways, so this client used to tell herself that potato chips were only something that she could eat outside of the home. She wasn't allowed to eat them at home. And so what that meant is that any time she was outside the home, maybe she'd go have a drink with her friends. There would be potato chips there and she would end up eating a ton of chips and skipping dinner and then feeling super guilty. And so what we did is I was like, well, do you ever have potato chips at home? She was like, no, because I can't control myself. I was like, well, What if the reason that you can't control yourself around them is because you never have them at home? She was like, whoa, I never thought of that. And so what we did, I was like, look, buy your favorite package of potato chips. If you want to buy a small package, that's totally fine. You don't need to get the like giant jumbo size one. And when you want to eat them, eat them, eat them, you know, sitting down, 
enjoy them. Notice the crunch and the salt and the fat. Notice the flavors of it. Let yourself eat as much as you want. And when you finish them, buy another one. By day three, she was like, yeah, I ate like a handful and then I put them away. By, you know, week two, she was like, oh yeah, I've had an unopened bag of potato chips in my kitchen for a week now. And so some people, this takes longer. Some people, this is quicker, really depends on the individual. But often what happens is the more special we make a food and the less accustomed we are to have it around, the more we want to eat of it when it is around. And so when you have something on hand all of the time and you have full choice over when and how much you eat of it, there's less urgency around that food and there's less desire to overeat and make yourself feel like crap. And this is why some people can have Oreos around in their house. They'll have one and then not even think about it for another week. And there are ways to approach this. And I'm going to explain some tips in a second. And there's sort of two main approaches to how we can look at food habituation. And I do want to make sure that I comment that this is going to, you know, our mental state is going to affect these situations. And if you do choose to approach this without support, it can feel like you're failing even when you are succeeding. For example, you may be like, oh my gosh, my goal here, like I want to allow myself to have you know, chips around all the time, but you secretly in your head are like, but if I eat the whole bag of chips, I've failed. And that is still a form of restriction, right? And so we need to put aside this fear. Like I talked about with unconditional permission to eat, there's a lot of fear over weight gain. And so we need to put that aside because even if you choose to habituate yourself to a certain food and you overeat on that food for, you know, a week, that in the grand scheme of your life, not that big of a deal. This is also why like, I like to do this alongside clients instead of just being like, hey, yeah, go off, do this by yourself. But I wanna give you some tips if you do choose to take this on. There are two ways to approach this. So one is the, the name of this was, so th- the concept is something that I think many of us in, in like my sphere of the coaching world share. Um, but so he Lee, sort of put a name to it that I really like, and that is add, don't restrict. So let's going to, we're going to call this the add, don't restrict method. And so this is to include a food that you enjoy. Maybe don't choose your toughest trigger food at the moment, but for example, I chose cereal. And for me, that's not one that I'm like, oh my God, I go crazy around cereal, but I really like it. And I used to really struggle with eating cereal in moderation. And so you can choose the add, don't restrict method which is to include that food in a balanced meal on a regular basis. For example, with me, with cereal, I paired cereal with Greek yogurt, berries, and peanut butter for breakfast for a while. And I had the satisfaction of knowing like every day I'm going to eat that food. I don't feel like I need to binge on that food or overeat that food because I know that I'm always going to be able to eat more of it tomorrow. I've had clients do this with food like bread, chips, chocolate, So it really just depends on you, but I would say, please don't start with the food that feels like the most triggering, start lower on the level and then go up. And then the second way is just like general food habituation. This is an intuitive eating strategy as well. And the idea here is to choose a food and simply just let yourself eat as much of you want as you want of it until you no longer feel out of control around it. And this again, recommends support here, but this is what that can look like is 
you essentially commit to having that food in the house consistently. So for example, like my client with potato chips. So your intention is to allow yourself to eat that food when you want it as much of you want as you want of it. And when you run out, instead of being like, oh, well, I'm out. So no more. It's when I run out, I am going to buy more of that food. So I know I have the, the peace of knowing it's always there. There is a caveat here. Personally, I would recommend not starting when you're starving. So for example, you're like, I'm going to do this with chips. Aim to start doing that and, and including those chips, maybe when you're not absolutely starving, because as we know, hunger can really affect how you approach eating a food. And because, you know, I'm a big fan of mindful eating, I would recommend like, Hey, if I'm going to eat these chips, I'm going to sit down at the table. I'm going to pull out the bag of chips. I can eat as much as I want, but I'm going to aim to just pay attention. And I want to remind you that in this process, it is okay if you eat the whole thing. So again, it can be helpful to start out with smaller portions of something. So for example, let's say Oreos are what you choose. Maybe you don't go buy like a jumbo pack of double stuffed Oreos. Maybe you work up to that by buying, you know, a pack of six and then another pack of six, and then eventually getting to the point where you feel more comfortable having more. Please make sure you are signed up for the emails for this series, because I'm going to send you for this episode, you are going to get some, um, some tips on how to get into mindful eating mode and really start like experiencing food in a different way. And then the last thing that I want to mention here, I've said this many times on the podcast before, but if you are dealing with an eating disorder, please reach out to a licensed counselor or eating disorder specialist. Not someone that is like on the internet being like, I healed my binge eating, but my qualifications are like, I am, I personally, my qualifications do not prepare me to help someone with binge eating disorder. And so if you reach out to me, what I will do is I will tell you, Hey, I'm not equipped to handle this. Here are some places where I would like to refer you and coaching. So just to distinguish coaching is for those who might have some unorganized eating habits. Maybe you have a couple like disordered eating habits you've dieted on and off. And what you're looking to do is to like preempt any deeper problems by addressing them now. So maybe you're like, Hey, I can see this going down the eating disorder route, or I can see this disordered eating pattern getting worse before it gets to that point. You can choose to try coaching you can choose to work with a therapist or a counselor, but generally if this stuff is left alone, it does not get better. It gets worse. So with that, I will end today's lesson. I think this was a little bit long, but I think there's a lot of helpful stuff in here tomorrow. We are going to talk about a mindful eating framework that supports unconditional permission to eat. So please make sure you tune in again for the next episode. Make sure you check your email you are going to have some incredible support for what you learned in this podcast and the previous podcast in your email already. So go ahead and do that. If you know someone that could benefit from this, send it to them, share it. That is the absolute best way for new people to find this podcast. And you have no idea how much I appreciate it. Or maybe you do because I mention it on every episode. So with that, I'm going to go drink some water because I am parched and I am going to go have a snack of a food that I actually used to have lots of rules around. I'm going to go eat a turkey sandwich. And I used to have lots of rules around bread. And turns out I can just take it or leave it at this point because it's always around. With that, friends, thank you for being here. And I will talk to you again very shortly.